Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of Conspire a Theory Podcast. I have with me special guest Sean. Sean from, tell us where you're from, Sean. Oh, well, I currently now live in San Antonio, Texas, but I'm originally from New Orleans, Louisiana. It's a good city. Wish I could go back sometime. Uh, I don't know about that. I hear they got Rougarous up in there. <laughs> but that's I wouldn't an- know anything about that. That's another show. <laughs> that's, yes, title for another show. <laughs> so I have asked Sean to come in and help me review Black Panther. I've decided to give a non-white guilt review of Black <laughs> Panther. <laughs> sort of a... Because I feel that, that Black Panther is getting a lot of, of, of hype. I don't think it's undeserving of that hype. I just think some people are getting, they're going overboard with it. Like, it's the greatest thing since ever, you know? Like, buying a ticket is like voting for Obama in 08. You know, all this, all this, it's just, I'll be honest. I'm not getting this from what I see of black people because when I see black people getting excited for comic books, getting excited for Black Panther, I love that. I love seeing more more fans turned on, and I love seeing people getting into the Marvel rush and and basically joining this stuff that I love so much, which is superheroes and stuff like that. I love seeing new people get into that. And yeah, I never thought that in my uh, yeah, I never thought that I'd be able to live to see anything like this. You know, growing up, you know, reading all the comics that we read and everything, we were like, man, wouldn't this be great for this to to turn into a movie? And then, you know, a couple years later, uh, I was going to say my age, but, you know, a couple years later, <laughs> um, we have all of these movies. We got Captain America, Spider-Man, X-Men, Fa- Fantastic Four, <clears throat> uh, and all of those other uh, movies like that. So to see these movies and to see these characters actually come alive on the big screen and to actually see people that are non-comic book fans reading, actually getting excited over it, makes me even more excited for, yeah. what they're, for what they're doing for the genre. Yeah, yeah, it's infectious. But what, what I don't like is when I see white people, you know, and I'm kind of harping on because I'm, I'm biracial, I'm half white, so I have like a little bit of guilt here. But it's, it's <laughs> like, I mean, I just feel this fake, it feels forced, and I don't like that. And part of it is my, my comic book hipster vibe going off my hipster gene going off saying you know you don't even know who the fuck black panther was until the trailer came out shut the fuck up where were you for blade where were you for spawn you know you just jumped on board when luke cage was hot come on you know and and that's my hipster gene turning on and turning up for this to give my review i'll just give you my quick review and then i want to hear your say on it Okay. okay first off i thought it was a very good movie it's like I'd give it four out of five stars. I had fun watching this movie. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't go in with any expectations. I was expecting a lot of pandering, to be honest. And it was very, like, I didn't get pandering. I got the cultural influences in it. But it reminded me, like, uh Wakanda... It made me think of, of Asgard, like the way that, that Marvel portrayed Asgard. They kind of did the same thing with, with uh, Wakanda, except w- instead of with Norse myth, they were doing it with all these influences of African culture and stuff that, let's be honest, I know nothing about. Right. And I felt like it was, it was like a fantasy land for me, but it was intriguing and it was it was really cool and I liked it. It was pretty cool. And what I liked is... But this did that we didn't get to see in Civil War, 
which I kind of criticized Civil War for, the Black Panther in Civil War was it humanized T'Challa as a character. It showed him, it made him believable and relatable, and it made him a vulnerable person. It showed him vulnerabilities because in Civil War, he was presented as this overpowered, invincible, unstoppable force, you know, like he could do no wrong. He could make no mistakes. I don't want to say Mary Sue. He was just over, overindulged. But, but with this one, they kind of toned that down and they humanized the character. They made him believable. They made him relatable. And we're going to talk a bit more about relatability later on. Yeah, I, I liked the character. I was able to connect with the character. And what I liked in the ensemble that they surrounded him with, I really loved the other characters. My favorite was the sister, the younger sister. Now, uh, Sherry. Yeah, yeah. She was, for me, the highlight of the show. I loved her so much. I would say, I would go so far as to say she outshined Lupita. What is it? Uh, Lupita, uh, um, uh, how do you pronounce her name? On, on Boing? The, the uh, Oscar winner girl. Not really sure which, uh, was that his, that wasn't, that was, the, the, not talking about his love interest, the girlfriend. Oh, his love, oh, her, yeah. Yeah. Lupita, she's an Oscar winner. And this, you know, kid was able to outshine a freaking Oscar winner. But I got to admit, with, with the girlfriend character, I'm not going to say they didn't give the character much to work with. I mean, she did okay. I don't have any real complaints. She she was a well-written character. She did all right, but I like the sister more. She had spunk. She had this this I I was able to relate to her more because yeah, she was stuck in this sort of in this tribal world and stuff, but she embraced the future. She was like she was knee deep in and and up to her elbows in technology and and she was just getting into it and loving it and even during the tribal king ceremony, the crowning ceremony right. or whatever. You know, she was like, oh, can we get over this? I want to get back to my lab. You know, and I love that about that character. And I just, I loved her. And, and another part that I loved the most, oh, I was waiting for this, was Umbaku. And you and me remember him as Man-Ape from the original series. Right. I loved his portrayal. I didn't know what to expect of him. They sort of made him a chaotic, neutral character, which I kind of liked. And I liked that they didn't completely you know, wash away the gorilla references because I guess they were afraid of racial overtones or some shit. Exactly. And I can see that. He was just so good. I was like, oh, I can relate to him so well. I loved it when Reed tried to talk, when he tried to interject his, no, actually, blah, blah, blah. And then he just barked him out, him and his boy. Just, <laughs> ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> I love that shit. And when they came up and they were showing up, they're all painted white and they're like, ooh, 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 ooh. And they were doing the, 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 the tribal barking and stuff. I just, oh, I got into it. I just want to start beating my chest and get in on it. It was like, yeah, Rombe, my boy. And <laughs> during the uh, casino scene, that felt to me, it felt like a James Bond scene. And I loved that. Now, what is it with Disney and casino scenes? Cause this is the second major movie that they had a casino scene in. Because remember in Star Wars Last Jedi, they had a big old casino thing in that. And in here, they had a casino thing in this. Yeah, but they here, do. here, the casino scene fit. And I loved it. Claw was pretty good. I kind of felt he was underused. But when Eric Killmonger, is it Killmonger or Kilgrave? It's Killmonger, right? Yes, Eric Killmonger. Yeah, Killmonger. He really lit up the screen for me. And his backstory, and it sort of had this sort of like Hamlet-like feel to it that was able to keep me drawn in. And overall, like I said, I loved the movie. I loved it so much. It felt like watching uh, 
it felt like watching Thor Ragnarok with less jokes. And it was just, okay. it was, for me, it was a great movie. I loved it. That last scene, however, with the rhinos and stuff and the battles, that kind of felt a bit rushed, like a Lord of the Rings battle. Like they just took a Lord of the Rings battle and then just, we're going to marvelize it. That we have rhinos instead of giants and, and, and orcs and stuff. And instead we're going to have Umbaku instead of a troll, you know? <laughs> but as far as that goes, that's my take on it. Is it, it was a really good movie. I don't think it was, you know, like the reviews that are coming out. I kind of feel like with, like we saw with uh, Ghostbusters, they're kind of a bit overinflated because I kind of feel like people have this identity political agenda behind it that I feel isn't necessary. And I, and I feel like that kind of, we'll probably argue that later, but I don't feel that this film needs that, that it has enough on its own to stand as a really good movie. I don't think it's the greatest thing since ever. You know, I don't think it's, you know, like Titanic or, or Forrest Gump or those movies where people just cannot shut up about it, but it <laughs> is a very good movie. What do you have to say about it? What is your impression on it? Cause you're supposed to take more from uh, it than well, I my am. Impression on it, uh, let's see. Uh, well, going into it, I didn't have any expectations and like anything else. I knew that it was going to be good. I just didn't know how good it was going to be until I saw everything fold out on screen. So as everything started to fold out, uh, I like the fact that they basically, they kind of picked up where Civil War left off a little bit, but not like right at like scene after scene. We showed uh, T'Challa, sorry. Uh, he was going in to, I guess, to save his girlfriend and also to, to get Claw. So it showed him actually, you know, doing something, not just sitting around, just waiting for something to happen. He was actually in the process of doing other things after Civil War. And from the jump, from that first scene, after he stood on the platform and he put his helmet on and he dropped down from the ship and uh, dropped into the forest, into the trees. I was, I was all into it from, <laughs> from the beginning of the thing. And I was like, if they're going to start off like this, they're going to start off with, you're going to start off with him taking out uh, a gang of, I don't, I guess they were, um, it looked like they were trying to tra transport women or yeah, probably yeah. trying to smuggle them across the border or something. Some kind of human yeah, trafficking if, thing. Yeah, some, yeah, some, yeah, trafficking. That's the word I was looking for. So if they're going to start off with him breaking stuff, stuff like that, then I was all for it. And I have been hearing a lot of things that, that there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, ups and downs I've been hearing about the movie. One of them was that uh, a lot of great people had was that he didn't have enough time in the suit. A lot of people wanted to see more of the Black Panther suit. Hmm. I feel that the, I feel that the balance was good. The balance was really good of him. Being out of the suit and seeing the human and then him being in the suit and being, I guess you would say, the superhero or the hero of the show. Because we needed to see more of him outside of the suit. Because if you read if you read the comics or Carter Winnie, we know what the suit does and everything like that. So to, like you, uh, going back to what you said, to humanize him, to see him outside of the suit and in his country and... Him taking on the challenges of becoming king. Yeah. Uh, not just for his own, not for his sister and for his mother, but now he has a whole, he has a whole continent that he has to worry about. First, it was probably just him and his family, but after his father got killed and he has to take the mantle, now he has even more responsibility on his shoulders. And I really wanted to see how they were going to incorporate that in the story to show his struggles. You know, not just make it like you said, when they show him in Civil War, he was invincible. Like, no, I can, I can take on everything and everything like that. Uh -huh. I'm glad that they humanized him. He was able to 
you know, get beat up a little bit, be able to learn from his mistakes and be able to move on. That was one of the things that was that was awesome about it. The character, the character that stood out to me most would have to be Michael B. Jordan's character of uh, Eric Killmonger. Mm-hmm. Just that his backstory, once we were able to get to his backstory and to see why he was doing what he did or why he thought the way he thought really brought a lot of more depth to his character than just, oh, I'm a villain and I'm going to do this and do that because I hate you, which is what we see in a lot of other, what we've seen in a lot of other Marvel movies typically or DC movies for that matter. But I like the fact that they actually gave him a little bit of more depth to Chaka killing his father and then not even telling the boy, just left him there to fend for his own. We don't even know how he became a, a mercenary. I'd really like for them to really go more into that about how he was able to get picked up by the CIA and how they picked him in to become a mercenary and, you know, some of the people, because he said some of the people that he took out, he said he took out thieves and he took out robbers and he's even took out some people from Wakanda all to get to that moment to fight T'Challa. So I would like to get another backstory about how he got to that point. But when he was telling his story, when they brought him in, when he brought Claw, when he brought Claw to Wakanda and he was telling this story, I felt a personal connection to him. Not the fact that, you know, I've had my parents killed or anything like that, <laughs> but a fact, uh, for the fact that, you know, him being left, you know, him just being left to fend for himself, feeling that nobody cared enough to even come find him, to come look for him. You know, they just kind of just picked him up like, oh, he had a son, you know, whatever. And just throw him, you know, just throw him to the side. Even though he was, he is, he is, was, I don't know if anybody's listening to it, hasn't seen it yet. Cover for spoilers, people, if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah, uh, but, it, um, it, everybody's seen it, the movie by now. And if they haven't, they're racist. To say that he is of world blood, or was of world blood. Um, yeah, because he was a cousin. Was, 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 yeah. was, hmm? He was his I'm cousin, sorry. so he had, I guess, some sort of birthright to it or something like that. He had a say. Yes, he did. Yeah, and, and as far as what you were saying about the character, that's what I liked about him, too. He was driven. He reminded me of uh, the Yellow Jacket, the guy that played uh, the guy behind Yellow Jacket in Ant-Man. Yes. I really liked him as a character because he was driven. He had... He wanted it for personal reasons and it was something that he had to prove himself. And the same thing with Killmonger. You know, he had to prove himself. That's what I loved about him. That's what I felt connected him is that he's, he's on a mission to, you know, not only take back his birthright and to find his, cause I remember in his spirit journey where he's with his father and he finds his things and he says, you know, maybe it's home that's lost. And I kind of, that kind of, connected with me that's sort of like that whole you know maybe you know you're on the right path but where you're going maybe that's that place has lost its path as far as what it's supposed to be kind of thing okay kind i can of, see that yeah but but i felt yeah he was a good character and as far as t'challa as far as his relatability i know that some people were concerned like well how how are people going to be able to relate to him how are people going to be able to identify with him like oh no white people can't identify with the black man <laughs> and yet and yet you know we can identify with aliens we can identify with talking raccoons we can identify with magic ponies i mean come Which on is crazy. We, we we can identify with black people let me put it this way i identify with t'challa about as much as I identify with Bruce Wayne or Lex Luthor or Superman. Okay. In that, I mean, I'm not a billionaire. 
you know, I don't have superpowers from Earth. I am not a, a super genius who who's who's so smart all my hair fell out. <laughs> yeah, because that's what I kind of use him as a as a, a I kind of compared T'Challa as a template character against Bruce Wayne. That he's sort of like a, a like a a Bruce Wayne on a much larger scale. And the thing is, you know, I mean, if if people can relate, if you can relate to Batman, you can relate to Black Panther. Yes, most definitely. Because there is some human uh, tropes to him. Uh, no people see Bruce Wayne as a billionaire, but really, he didn't. Well, he was he was born he he was born into money because his family had money, and his father was a was a famous doctor, and he built these things, and everything like that. So once his parents were killed, he kind of inherited the family fortune. And I know there's some people out there that can relate to that part, you know, of being growing up in a family that was wealthy and then being able to inherit a fortune or not. But on the other end of that, there's a lot of people that can also relate to being uh, the human, the human part of it without take the money aside, parents being taken from, taken from them for whatever reason, and then having to be raised by someone else, an aunt, an uncle, or in Bruce's case, a, a butler, in this case, and him having to learn how to be a man from someone that's not his father. Yeah. That's also relatable to a lot of other people. Me, uh, me, for instance, I can relate to that. I was adopted, so I grew up and I was raised by a mother in a single household, and she was, and she was mother and father, so she had to teach me how to, in her, the best that she could, try to teach me to raise me up, you know, how to be a man, and I had brothers and everything like that that popped in every now and then, but for him to have that single father figure, I can relate to that. So as far as T'Challa is concerned and his thing, of course he has the, he's kind of, like you said, Bruce Wayne on a more, on a more elaborate scale yeah. because his father was king of a whole nation. So I know me and you, we're not, we're not kings of any nation that I know of. <laughs> you're king no. of a nation, are you? Um, no, certainly holding not. out on me. <laughs> uh, but the human part of that being would be, to being thrust into a role of great responsibility that you are not ready for, which is a lot of, which made a lot of humanization of a lot of people, whether it be a 14 year old having to take care of the family because mother got sick, uh, father's not around, they have baby brothers and sisters that need to be taken care of. So this 14 year old has to step out of the role of being a child and now has to take on the responsibility of being a man. Mm-hmm. So in that, so in that sense, T'Challa had to, not saying that he was a child, but he had to put any type of selfishness or, you know, it's all about me and my sister aside. It's like, okay, now I have all of these people in Wakanda that rely on me for food, for resources, uh, for protection even. Yeah. So yeah, what I liked, of- yeah, what I liked in there was they brought in the immigration debate. And I liked where his, his confidant, his friend said to him, when you bring in the refugees, they bring their problems with them. And they made a good case for isolation, but they also made a case against isolation, which is, I guess, the representation of Killmonger, that that's sort of what he represented was letting, sharing your wealth with the world because Wakanda was sort of, it was sort of an, an analogy for America as a superpower. You know, being on the vibranium thing and, you know, at the end, they sort of shelled that out with the outreach centers and with him opening up 
to the rest of the world. You know that they're going to do it little by little. I don't think they're going to be like, oh, yeah, we have flying stuff on, on <laughs> par with uh, secret agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which you've been told no longer exist. That sort of he's doing it slowly as the Black Panther. He's not going to put that away. He still has to protect his people and his nation. And we're going to probably see later on maybe in Infinity War, he's going to have to, like, protect the world, too. Because, right. you know, other things are coming. Other beings or yeah. being is coming. <laughs> yeah, someone is on their way, and he's been on his way for like the past 10 years. <laughs> he must have took the long way around because yeah. it doesn't I don't think it takes that long to get to Earth. But, you know, I digress. Yeah, any any other thoughts on Black Panther? Um, I, Any other thoughts? Um, I really would. I was thinking, like, after I saw, I was like, wow, why? Why couldn't we have had this movie like maybe five, ten years ago? This probably would have probably steered us maybe, uh, as far as like a, in a, in a cultural sense, uh, probably would have steered us in a, in a, in a different direction, not to get too political or anything like that. But I think it probably would have brought us together a little bit more and probably would have opened up the door to maybe some more, some new conversations and new ideas and, uh, you know, uh, excuse me, uh, maybe just a new way of thinking. But as I've told people uh, in the past, and I still tell people to this day, uh, Marvel does, doesn't do anything on accident. Everything is on purpose. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this movie came out when it did, in the month that it did, I think that, I think that some kind of way the higher-ups, it was all part of the plan. They felt that there was time for this type of movie, not just for the character to get a spotlight, but the type of message that they wanted to bring out. It was time to... You know, just put that out there and not just, and not put it in a way that it was cramming it down people's throat. Just put the movie out there, put those undertones, put the layers in there and, you know, and just let everybody just see the movie and let them just figure out, you know, these things for themselves. Like, oh, I can relate to that or, you know, I can, I can see what they're going with this and maybe, you know, people can put two and two together and maybe we can start having some more rational and logical discussions about a couple of things that, in my personal opinion, need to be changed about us. As a whole. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a fair statement. Yeah. Cause everything, everything was calculated. You know, I, I don't want to use the term to exploit, exploitive, but mm-hmm. this sort of is like kind of reminiscent of the black exploitation era where they went, you know, kind of out of their way to make this movie <laughs> as big and as black as possible. And I don't have a problem <laughs> with that. You know, I have no problem with that because, you know, Black Panther being super black and black people getting super excited. You know, it gets me excited too, because, you know, hey, I'm in, I'm in the same boat, you know, cause it's over superheroes because we're getting excited and stuff. But right. yeah, it's, it's dumping money into Disney's pockets, but these are the same people that brought us Captain America and Iron Man and the Hulk and all this stuff, all the stuff that I'm totally into. And if, you know, Black Panthers are part of that and it's like something to bring in, you know, black people to say, Hey, you can get excited about this too. You know, there's something here for you, even though I would say there was always something here for you. But I can understand that some people, you know, they kind of need that little, you know, well, I would like to have the, the, you know, I guess that's where we get into representation. And I guess I can feel, you know, representation is pretty important. Although, like I said, if we can relate to magical talking unicorns and what else did I say? Talking raccoons Raccoons and stuff. And and talking trees. Can't forget about group. (laughs) Talking trees, then is representation really that big of a deal or is it just, do we want a really well-written character? 
And I feel that in this instant, T'Challa and especially his sister, Shuri, they were very well-written characters. And the mother, um, oh, I can't believe I, I almost went without letting Angela Bassett go on. She, oh, no. yeah, she was, she was powerful in this film. I felt it like, oh yeah, she's, she's, she's a madass mom, you know. She probably, <laughs> she probably spanked T'Challa a couple times, you know, hit him over the head with a, with a paddle. <laughs> I like, can see that. <laughs> it's like, oh, I wish I had my vibranium suit then. <laughs> but, but she was a powerful character and I liked the mom. And as far as the representation goes, let's, let's get into that a bit late. Uh, let's get into that right now because I am kind of, like I said, my hipster gene is bitter because I'm saying, you know, where the hell were you people when Blade came out? You know, where the hell were you people when, when Spawn came out? I think there was a meme or something that came out that said that thing, you know, finally, the first black superhero, whatever. And some guy was saying, you know, it's like, Oh, I didn't know you guys were only didn't start being black until 2014. You know, <laughs> where were you for spawn and all that shit? And I, and cause there, there was attempts at uh black representation before now with blade that came out in the nineties, I believe. And social media wasn't the powerhouse that it was today. If anyone was getting uppity about Blade, they were they were doing it on MySpace and stuff like that. And I remember trying to, you know, I just loved Blade. I loved that movie. It was so good. And Spawn was great. I loved Spawn. You know, I didn't care too much for the comic books, but the movie was really cool. Uh, I think it was Michael J. White did a great job as Spawn. I love him. Yeah. He is so, he doesn't get enough, he doesn't get enough credit. <laughs> yeah. He, yeah. He's, he was a great, he's still at it, you know, cause he's been doing that stuff for, for, I want to say like almost three, three decades now of, of he started out. I think he was working as a stuntman for a while and then he, he got into the starring role. I think his breakout role was as Tyson. And then with Spawn, I kind of felt he was able to do, you know, dramatic, powerful work and he's a great actor. And I kind of felt yeah. he was, you know, he needs to be in more stuff. Now, let's talk about, yeah, as far as representation goes, there was a push for um, more representation in the 90s during the comic boom, which was through Milestone Media. They're the guys behind characters such as, you know, um, Icon and Rocket and other such characters like that. It was a push by DC to have more diversity and I remember reading an article about it in Wizard Magazine back when we had to get published periodicals and we had to go into the store and buy our comic book news you know, right. back in the old days. And yeah, I remember back in the days we actually had to walk and <laughs> go, go to the comic book store. I actually used to get a lot of my comic before I found my first comic book store. I used to get my comics from um, I used to get them from Walgreens actually. Hmm. Walgreens used to sell them back in the day, and they also sold the Wizards. The yeah. big thick when wizards were thick like a phone book. Yeah, yeah. I remember those. And you actually had to search through the wizards because there were some people not not uh, pointing any blame or anything, but uh, there were kids that used to come in there and they used to rip the backs open so they would take the playing cards and the posters out. <laughs> so if you so if you wanted a collectible card, you had to find one that wasn't open, and that yeah. all the time wasn't the case, but. I could understand those calls were pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And I remember re reading an article about the milestone push and it said the, the headline was this. It said, if it's not broke, fix it anyway. Cause, cause it was pretty much the statement that there really wasn't that much of a 
like representation, I guess, in the 90s wasn't perceived as as a problem or something. But I guess there was a push to have representation, you know, to to highlight black creators, black artists, black writers, not not just black, but people of color, people of all kinds of color, um, all these different kinds of people to sort of, you know, highlight them to put the spotlight on them. And at the time, there was no, no one was screaming that there was a shortage for it. It was just, you know, hey, let's just do this. And I kind of felt that that was a good thing. And those characters are still active today. I remember watching the Young Justice and there's Icon and Rocket. They're in there. And those characters are still alive and still kicking and still used today. And with Marvel, what they're doing is they're doing a lot of, some people might call it like diversity swap. As far as the Marvel, the cinematic universe, they're taking, I guess, what would be traditionally white characters and swapping out their race and making them black. But it's believable and it works and I don't have a problem with it. I don't have a problem with Samuel L. Jackson being Nick Fury. Yeah, I love the old Nick Fury, the, the, the guy with the, the, with the eye patch, the guy with the, the eye patch and the temples and stuff like that. You know, yeah, he, yeah. he's a cool guy. He's, a, he's still a cool guy. You know, having Samuel L. Jackson be the new Nick Fury, you know, I don't feel it takes away from that because, because he does a really good Nick Fury. He does his own Nick Fury, but it's a really good Nick Fury. And they're taking these characters and they're kind of swapping them out with, uh, ethnic casting. Uh, like say, for example, Guy from Thor, uh, Hemdel, Hemdel from, from Thor. He's, he's played by Idris Elba and Idris Elba is a really good actor. I really like him. He's really, and he does a great job in the role. I can't picture anyone else in the role, but he does a good job with it. And it's one of those things where they're switching out these characters and I really don't notice it. It doesn't distract me. I don't feel like, Oh, they're trying too hard. But there are some instances where I feel it doesn't work. And let me bring up, uh, like, say, for example, they switched out in the Supergirl series. Uh, Jimmy Olsen is this tall, handsome, athletic black, and he's smart and he runs a company and stuff. And I'm thinking, that's not Jimmy Olsen. Yeah, he has the name Jimmy Olsen, but Jimmy Olsen is a, is a skinny, twerpy, awkward nerd. He's freckled face, redhead little kid. Yeah, yeah. He he's he's the I guess the DC Peter Parker. He's like, you know, he he's supposed to be awkward and goofy, Superman's pal and all that stuff. He's not supposed to be some Fortune five hundred guy who's tall and handsome and everything that Jimmy Olsen never was or could be, you know. And and I, I kinda have a problem with that. A friend of mine pointed out that DC is going through a ginger side. It's kind of like a, a genocide, but with the gingers, they're taking all the gingers and replacing them with black people. Like I said, with, with Jimmy Olsen, um, Iris from the flash, Wally West, those all used to be gingers and now they're black people. <laughs> and, and I, I kind of find that amusing. It's like, Oh no, let's get rid of all the, the redheads, you know, <laughs> cause they're minorities too. They are, but they're, 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 they're replacing them with, 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 with black people. As far as the other series, I haven't seen those series. I don't know anything about Wally West as a character, only from what I've seen of Young Justice. If they swapped him out, yeah, if they swapped him out, I probably wouldn't care. It depends on how the character is played. But with the only one that I seem to have a problem with is Jimmy Olsen because they changed the character so much. And I think it's because they changed the character so much that I really, that who plays him doesn't really matter in my criticism of that character. 
Uh, I don't. I really because when yeah when they when they first announced it and they were gonna do Jimmy Olsen and it showed, I was like, okay, hold on, wait. How is this gonna work out? Because if they're going to go ahead and you know do a gender swap, what, like I said, I don't. I used to. Um, I used to back in the day. I used to have a big problem with you know people being switched or you know things have to stay the same, but. As I've gotten older, I've gotten a little bit more relaxed, and you know, if it if it's done in the right way, then you know, swapping swapping a, a I guess a color palette, if you want to put it yeah. in the basis of terms, if you want to switch out a color palette, that's fine. I don't really have a big deal with it as long as the core essence of the character is still the same. Exactly. As long as you still have the things that we read, and this character still stands for the same things that they stood for. Then swapping out the color palette, eh, you know, that's a that's a side note. So that's not really a big thing. Mm-hmm. So I like the fact that they still kept Jimmy Olsen. He was still a photographer. He was still, you know, Superman, Superman's right hand buddy, and everything like that. The fact that you know he took you know some some judo or some some judo or some martial arts or something like that kind of gave him a little bit more depth as a character because you know the other Jimmy Olsen, he was always getting into trouble. He could never get himself. Probably couldn't find it. Probably couldn't fight out of a plastic bag without Superman's help. You know, I like the fact that they gave him a little bit more independence and he didn't have to rely, you know, totally on Superman or Supergirl in this case. You know, he can get himself out of some situations. So that's one of the things that's, no, you know, that's okay with the character. But, you know, just him as a whole, he's kind of like, um, Jimmy's a supporting character, just like, God, what's his name? Uh, just like when. Wynn is a supporting character along with, uh, along with Jimmy Olsen. They support to help push towards, uh, you know, uh, Supergirl, Melissa Bennett, which I love, by the way. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, they're just supporting characters in the role just to help the story along and to give Supergirl as a character and to give them a little bit more background. But yeah, I can, I don't necessarily try to relate to Jimmy Olsen or when they swap a character out for a different color. As long, like I said, as long as the, core essence of the character stays the same. I'm fine with it. I don't have a big deal. It's no big deal to me anyway. All right. All right. All right. Cause I, again, I haven't seen the show. This is just criticism that I've heard and thing that I've read, you know, an article and, and about how he's, how he's the guardian now and stuff like that. And, and I don't know. I just, I, from a distance, it's kind of a bit, it's, it sounds like it's too much for me, but you've okay. actually seen the show. And if you're okay with it, and the way that you explained it, maybe it works. Maybe it works. And, and I just, at a distance, I'm just, I have a hard time coping with it because that's kind of the core of the character, what I'm not familiar with. But if they spent right. time fleshing him out and starting him from his, from his core and making him a good readable, uh, a well-written character, then okay, that's fine. That's fine. Yeah, no problem here. <laughs> but I'll have to see. Yeah, again, he, gets, I'll, uh, I'll have uh, to... he does grow throughout. I think Supergirl's on its, what, I think it's third season now. Yeah, he's 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 grown as a character since since they first introduced him, and he walked on screen. He's had his ups and downs. He's had a um, and I know you never watched the show. He had a hit him and a car had a little fling thing for a while they were trying to figure out if they could be a couple together and stuff like that so that type of stuff and throwing in that type of humor and that type of uh what's the word i'm looking for uh relatability i guess you could say um you know those are the things that i look for when you know bringing character on screen whether it be the small screen or the big screen the relatability of that character to who whomever they are playing he or she 
but every once in a while he needs to turn himself into a giant lizard man or a, a giant brain guy with from the year 100,000 in the future. You know, he's got to get into the kind of trouble that Jimmy Olsen gets into every once in a while. That makes the character fun. Very true. And yeah. he hasn't, he hasn't gotten into that type of, <laughs> you know, outlandish type of trouble. Let me see. Uh, the worst, the worst thing he got into, I don't really know. For thing, thinking back from watching the seasons, he's never got into anything, you know, super Jimmy Olsen is like he, mm-hmm. you know, like he stumbled upon like a secret cult of super villains and then they captured him. And try to revert him to their cause, and then or never cross the mole men from the center of the earth. He was at, or anything, you know, nothing crazy like that. No mole men from but the center of the earth. But you did have the watch for a while. You did have the watch. <laughs> okay, all right, I'll I'll give you that. Yeah, he did have the little. Yeah, he had that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that that's good. That's good. Anything else on um, representation? Like, um, let's let's talk about Luke Cage for a bit. Because I saw the Luke Cage, and it was one of those things where, you know, I felt it was super, I want to say, I don't like you, I don't, I don't like using this word, but it's the only way that I can describe it is exploitive. And it went, you know, it went like 100%, 110%, you know, we're big, we're bad, we're black, super black, like before, like with Black Panther, I was feeling the groove. I had no problem with it. You know, it's like I, as, as a half white, person the white part of me didn't feel like i needed i needed him to tone it down or to be a white person for me to enjoy the show i knew what i was getting into and i loved it you know i i'd say luke cage was a really good series i mean my all-time favorite out of the series was the first season of daredevil because that was a really groundbreaking character building character driven piece and luke cage was fun it was very, very and fun. I think that Daredevil episode, Go on. It, it paved it paved the way forward for them to do a show like uh, like Luke Cage. Yeah, and I like that Luke Cage. He kind of got into the mix with uh, dealing with black issues at the time that I guess are are related to black issues. I mean, I wouldn't know. I'm not black, but I guess <laughs> as far as as far as dealing with some of the I guess more controversial issues that people have to deal with that that some people get burdened with and making them understandable and relatable and saying, you know what? Okay. I can see that. I, I kind of see that. And I, we, we can have a discussion about this and that. And I felt that Luke Cage did a great job with that. Do you feel that Luke Cage kind of paved the way for T'Challa as a character, as far as what could be done? Yes. Because um, the way that they did it was, was very well done. And like you said, a lot of people, uh, go into Luke Cage and they watch it. There was a lot of, there was some backlash that was stirring up about, uh, and it was the, it was the, it was the silliest thing. It was like, what? It was like, this, uh, show was about, uh, it's like, where are all these black people? Where, where are all the white people? Blah, 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 <laughs> and this and that. And I had to, I had to sit back and I just had to just hold my head because the first question that came out of my mouth was, have you ever been to Harlem? <laughs> If you've ever been to Harlem, then your argument is null and void invalid right there and then. Because if you've ever been to Harlem, then you will see that this is a 100% actual representation of some of the cities and how Harlem looks. Uh, yeah, now, to I, say I, that Harlem is 100% black, that's not all the way true. There are some other ethnicities in Harlem, but the majority is African-American. So to say that, you know, that they were trying to 
you know, push the agenda of, you know, it's all black people, blah, blah, blah. You know, that was just, uh, that was just mind blowing to me that, that, that I actually read a comment like that. <laughs> um, about a, about a city, about a real city in New York City. So, yeah, cause it goes to show you. Yeah. I remember watching, uh, this Ralph Bangshi film. It was called Coonskin and then it was called Street Fight and then it was called I don't know. They kept renaming it because every single name was offensive. And <laughs> it was the one with the, the, it had, um, Barry White in it and he played a bear. It was like a cartoon, but they did the thing where they would do the cartoon and they would have live action backgrounds. And it took place in majority of it took place in, in Harlem. And they were singing, you know, Harlem, the home to every black man. <laughs> and. And it was, and I, I watched, I would watch stuff like that and I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it because it was, you know, it was edgy, it was offensive, it was seventies, it was gritty and dark and messy and yucky and, and sexy and, and nasty and everything at the same time. And it was just, it was rowdy and raunchy and the kind of stuff that I enjoyed. And now I'm not saying that that's what Luke Cage is like, because Luke Cage kind of has a bit of that edgy flair. Luke Cage is pretty adult. I mean, they have full on sex scenes and stuff like that in that. Yeah. And, and it, it does get dark and gritty at times, but I kind of felt, you know, growing up with media like that, you know, I had no problem getting into Luke Cage. You know, I had fun with it. When it came time for the defenders though, I kind of felt mm-hmm. like the writers for the defenders forgot to watch all the other series before they did their, their, before they wrote their script. Right. There's a, there's a lot of stuff they left out. Like number one, Clara night nurse. She yeah. learned how to fight in iron fist and in the, and in defender, she was completely helpless. And I, I didn't quite like how they had Luke cage, you know, they kind of, I want to say they toned him down a bit, but he wasn't as awesome as he was in the series. You know, he's kind of a little bit muted. And there were, there was other things too. You know, I can't remember them off the top of my head. I probably wrote them down for like another show, but it, it was good. It was good for what it was. But, but, you know, as far as combining all the characters together and bringing them all together, I felt that did great. And Luke Cage in the mix, I don't think they missed a beat. You know, well, maybe a, a couple beats, but it was enough that I, I didn't have any problem seeing it mesh together. I felt it meshed together really well. And, and as far as, you know, like you said, with, with, uh, getting back on a Luke Cage as a character and stuff and as, as the show, you know, I'm, I'm ready for more. I look forward to more. In the Luke Cage series though, my favorite character was Cottonmouth. Mm, I loved him as a villain. As a villain, he was fleshed out as a character because it was a, a, a series. They took the time to spell him out. They took the time to give you his motivation. You know, hey, this is where I came from. This is what I am. You know, this is how I got to where I am. And the relationship between him and Black Mariah and just the villains were so delicious. I mean, uh, was it Diamondback? Diamondback Diamond. and Black Mariah. Oh, I love them. I love how Black Mariah, you know, I mean, Diamondback didn't scare her because she was used to that kind of crap from her brother and from her mother. Uh, was right. it mother? She was like, I've dealt with yeah. people worse than you. Yeah. Mother. Was it mother Mabel? I think it was mother Mabel. Um, and all these other, I had to look these characters up because these, they were, they were really good characters and they really drove the story. And like I said, I loved Cottonmouth. I felt they focused on the villains a lot. 
and I, they made the villains interesting people. And I really liked it. I really liked that, you know, Black Mariah was, you know, she was crazy and she was fierce, but she also had to be more buttoned down and, and civil than Cottonmouth because of her position, because of her power. And I liked it when she would abuse her power to turn the city against Luke Cage. It's just everything was played out so well. And I love the barber <laughs> when he was all calling him Power Man. <laughs> Yes, I was waiting. I was yeah. waiting for a fireman reference. Yeah. As, soon as, as soon as he said it, I was like, "We are on board, sir. This, this green light is go." Yes, that and and he was an endearing character, and he was like, "Yeah, he's he's a really good, likable, endearing character." That means he's gonna die. Die. <laughs> he's like, man, he's too. I was like, man, he's just too, um, uh, he's like, he's like the, he's like the grandfather. Yeah. That you would see and you would sit down and he would tell you stories and everything. Yeah. That's yeah. that type of guy. And when he came on and I got that feel, I was like, well, we're going to give, um, he's going to give, he's going to give Luke Cage some motivation, but in a very not so nice way because something's going to happen to him. And then Luke Cage is going to have to go out there and find out who did it. So yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I like that he, he put Luke Cage's nose to the grindstone. You know, he's like, he's like, you know, I helped you. I took you in when you were on the run. You owe me this. And, and he, he pretty much guilted him into doing the right thing. And I felt as a character, you know, that really, that flesh out Luke Cage because he wanted to stay out of it. He didn't want to get involved. And he forced Again, him to get in. Problem. Yeah, he said, you know, it, it's, I'm going to make it your problem. And he, you know, cause you owe me. And that really, Luke Cage believable. Cause I can understand that, you know, hey, I just want to stay out of it. I want to keep my head low. And, and for that, and with Cottonmouth, I loved how Cottonmouth felt remorseful at the, the guy's, the grandfather's death. Mm-hmm. You know, someone said he pushed that guy off the roof. <laughs> And he said, and he said the Turk, like, was it, you want your 350 now? Go down and get it. (laughs) (laughs) And, and that, you know, and seeing that, that Cottonmouth was upset about that. And, you know, he's still a crime boss, but he doesn't want to be a monster. You know, he has to be. And again, that's why I love the Cottonmouth character so much. He was so fleshed out and driven and he had these talents. He could have been so much more. But the criminal life, his family life, drug him into that and made him that. And he was resentful as hell about it. It's like, I'm still going to do this criminal underboss stuff, but I hate it. You know, this isn't who I am type of thing. And just the circumstances, the world being that it is, you know, he was sort of, he met his untimely end. Right. Unfortunately. yeah, unfortunately, by making fun of his sister for getting raped. Ooh, yeah, that was that's <laughs> one of those uh, it's one of those edgy things you were talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, and and she freaking snapped. I loved it that she snapped. She's like, I didn't want it. I didn't want it, and she just smashed his fucking head in and just oh, you know. Mm-hmm. And then, that's that sort of that high drama that I love so much. That's just it's like a train wreck. You don't want to see it, but you can't look away. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I feel like I could just go on and on over Luke Cage, but we should probably start wrapping it up. You got any final thoughts on representation, Luke Cage or Black Panther? 
I feel that uh, both of those shows, Luke Cage and both of the show and the movie, Luke Cage and Black Panther, uh, as a whole, uh, really put, don't want to sound uh, all, you know, with my fist up in the air and everything, but uh, it really painted African-American or black people in a more predominant light. It shows that we can be, uh, we don't have to be, you know, the gangsters. We don't have to be the rappers. We don't have to be, you yeah. know, we, you know, we, we do, we just don't have to be the bad, the quote unquote, the bad guy or the villain in yeah, whatever type of story or scenario that you put him in. And uh, unlike Cottonmouth, though, he was a fucking great villain, but he had, you know, he had more depth. He had more backstory to him. It shows that we can, you know, we can be, we can, we as a people, we can be more than that. Yeah. Yeah. It's There's empowerment. To us. Yeah. Yeah. There is more depth to us than what we have been portrayed as over the last, you know, couple of decades or so. So we're now finally stepping out of that that negative shadow, all of those things, trying to put all of that negativity behind and try to put us that, hey, we're people just like you. We can do this. We can be we can be billionaires. We can be we can be astronauts. We can be kings of Wakanda. We can be whatever we want to be. You know, you, yeah, yeah. we don't have to be. Like I said, the rapper, we don't have to be the gangster. And I'm really, really excited to see uh, where this takes us in the future. Luke Cage season two, I know you'll be watching. Yeah, Um, yeah, absolutely. That is going to be, that's going to be even more phenomenal than the first season when they come out with uh, Black Panther 2. I have no doubt in my mind that that is probably going to exceed all of the expectations that people had for this first movie. And even everything that Black Panther did, even that this first movie did, uh, the second movie and going on is just going to exceed everything. I hope Marvel stays on this path. And I am super excited to see what they have in store for us for the future. Who knows uh, what else they have. Yeah, I think uh, we'll get a lot more in Infinity War because it looks like a huge chunk of it takes place in Wakanda. If it picks up back in Wakanda, once again, I won't be, I won't be angry at that at all. If Infinity War picks up in Wakanda and then travels back over to the United States. I'm totally happy with that because, you know, they have to get Captain America. Yeah. So yeah. they have to get Captain America and they have to get Bucky and then they have to bring him to where everybody else is. So it's going to be wonderful. Oh, and I really hope that, uh, I really hope that Shiri and Tony Stark have a interaction. That'd be cool to see. <laughs> I think I saw a screenshot where her and Peter Parker were like going to hook up or something. Mm. <laughs> Get all three of the nerds in a room. That's gonna be great. Oh, and Bruce Banner too. Can't forget about can't forget about Bruce. All four of them in a room together. It's gonna be great. Oh yeah, yeah. What you were saying earlier, you brought up a pretty good point about how this is black media and black empowerment. Well, it and and even though Black Panther was made by two old Jewish white guys, it's something that black people can get behind. And you know, I you know I hope I'm not sounding. Uh, uh, demeaning or anything, but yeah, I'm glad that, you know, black people have this Wakanda, which is kind of like, you know, I, I call it often, I call it Hogwarts for black people. And, you know, I love seeing that because when I, I get a minute, when I go and I look through what I've seen of black media in the past, usually it's always, oh, that we have to tell this tough, dark, gritty story of either a rapper or a drug dealer or a drug dealer becoming a rapper where the only way to get out of the ghetto is to deal drugs or rap or some type of violence and stuff. Or when I do see movies that come out, usually they're with, with predominant black cast, usually they're, uh, was it romantic thrillers? 
you know, erotic thrillers where a guy has to choose between his faithful wife or the crazy new girl who tickles his fancy. And, and that's what I see a lot of that. And to see black people get behind superheroes and to get into the superhero camp, I love it. I think it's great because I love seeing more people getting into superheroes because of what they represent. It's sort of a representation of like, like it's giving you something to aspire to, something great to look up to. Yes. And yeah, these characters are, are written flawed now because they kind of have to do that to make them interesting, but they're still, but they still save the day and, and it's still a positive empowerment. Cause to me, I gotta admit, I, Whenever I see any kind of like straight out of Compton, you know, even though people say, Oh, it deserved an Oscar. I'm, I'm not going to watch that movie. (laughs) Even if it was about white people, I wouldn't watch that movie. Even, even, you know, cause I don't care about the, you know, I, I got nothing against music, but you know, I'm not going to watch, uh, Oh, we have to use gangster rap to get out of the city. We can only climb the mountain with gangster rap and drug dealing. I'm getting tired of that same old story over and over again. I saw this, the trailer for this series coming out called Atlanta robbing season or something like that. And I'm just, okay. I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, and again, it's, it's, it's that negative shadow that we're trying to get away from. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. It's basically what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, it's not, it's not a series made for me. It's not a series aimed at me, but I, it still makes me roll my eyes and groan. Like, yeah, like this is it. You know, it's like how many other series have been like this? Cause Way I understand, yeah, I understand that, that you have to do stuff. You kind of have to do that dark, gritty stuff to make the characters interesting. We saw the same thing in Luke Cage. In Luke Cage, you know, there was a lot of that drug dealing and, and music and stuff, except this one, I don't think there were any rappers. I'm pretty sure they were ra- technically they're rappers, but it was mostly blues singers and, and rhythm, rhythm and blues and the good shit. Right. And it was, and I, as far as drug dealing, I, I think it was like, unless it was like superpowered drugs or something like that, you know, <laughs> the, the analogy was different, but the drug dealing and stuff, it wasn't, yeah, it was, it was part of the struggle. But it wasn't the form of empowerment. I like how one of the kids confronted Luke Cage on it. He's like, not all of us are bulletproof. And that's true. And and it's one of those hard things that it's one of those harsh realities. And it's kind of something that, you know, hope I'm not going to say I can't say that with comics will comic book superheroes and stuff will completely erase that. But it's there's something more that it gives something it gives people something more that they can be besides the alternative. And I think that's great. Right. Yeah. Even if you don't have super uh, superpowers or be able to leap over tall buildings in a single bar, you can still, you can still make a difference. You can still be a hero in your own right. You can still save the day. You can still do the good thing. Yeah. Yeah. And, like like you know, Carla, and, the night nurse. Know. Yeah. Like the night nurse, Carla. Yes. Yeah, she has no, she's a, she's, as far as, as far as we know, she's just a regular night nurse, but she's running around with people that have extraordinary powers and she still, uh, from time to time has to bring them down to earth and be like, Hey, all of us can't do that. I, and as a matter of fact, it was, it was, it was Carla that told Luke that when he was going out there and she told us that not all of us are bulletproof. So you can't just be running out there 
with no regard for anybody else's safety. You have to think about the other people that could get harmed if you're going out there and doing something foolish. So you have to stop and you have to think about your actions. And she was, she was like the conscience of like the whole team, even though yeah. she wasn't part of the defenders a whole lot. She was the conscience of every, every one of the superheroes that she came in contact with. And she brought them down to earth and made them a little bit more human. Yeah. Yeah. She's the connecting. She's, she's what connects them all. And she's a regular person. Yes. Yeah. And, and I, I love that dynamic. Yeah. So I guess we'll wrap it up there. Thank you again, okay. Sean, for joining us. This was, this was a really good episode. Yeah. When, when, uh, if any of the more Marvel series come out and I do, um, a wrap up, I would love to have you back on and we could talk about the, the season ending. Like when I guess I need to do, I need to finish up the Punisher. And when I want to do a wrap up of the Punisher, you think you could come back and review the Punisher with me? Oh, sure. I'd love to. Yeah. Yeah. We can like review these Netflix shows and I'll bring you on back to review the Netflix shows. We'll review Luke Cage. We'll review all this, all this shit and it'll be great. I'll, I'll definitely pull you back. (laughs) Make sure to start taking some good notes. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I definitely want to get you back. Um, yeah, but yeah, tell people where can we find you? Um, okay. I have. I have two platforms that you can find me on. Uh, the first one is Instagram. It is going to be black underscore Boken, and that's B-L-A-C-K underscore B-O-L-C-O-N underscore 81, I believe. Let me pull my uh, thing up real quick. No, it's not an underscore after the 81. So it's B-L-A-C-K underscore Boken, B-O-L-C-O-N 81. That's the Instagram. And if you want to find me on YouTube, it is also black Boken. It's going to be one word. Under, uh, YouTube, it'll pull up, you'll see a, you'll see like a little, uh, what, what's the word? Kind a of green talk right now. A green skull? Uh, it's gonna be an icon. It's gonna be a picture of a green skull and that's yeah. gonna be me. It'll have my name on it. Alright. It'll say Sean and that'll be my name. Alright. Well, thank you for joining us, Sean. Say goodbye Chris, to the thank kids. Thank you for having me on my very first podcast. <laughs> I hope, uh, hope to do more with you in the future. Yeah, I'll definitely bring you back. I, I need to bring, now that I, now that I got someone to do those reviews with me, I'm definitely gonna have you back. Awesome. <laughs> so, so thank you so much. Thank you. And goodbye. To email the show, write to conspire a theory, all one word, conspire a theory at outlook.com. Music provided by Killer. Find her at soundcloud.com backslash Kira Kura. If you want to find me around the internet and maybe commission me for some artwork, a few good places to find me would be at DeviantArt. You can find me there at chrisholm.deviantart.com. That's chris, C-H-R-I-S-H-O-L-M dot deviantart.com. I can also be found on Tumblr at psychris.tumblr.com. That's P-S-Y dash C-H-R-I-S dot tumblr t-u-m-b-l-r dot com i could also be found on fur affinity you could find me on furaffinity.net slash user slash cycris p-s-y-c-h-r-i-s backslash if you'd like to connect with me on facebook i'm available at facebook backslash chris home comics you could also find me on twitter at psycho chris be sure to find me check out some of my art and If you'd like, tell me some of your stories.